head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 253 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Pod God, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcast. Joined today... By aka Shawnee Baloney. Shawnee Baloney. Shawnee Baloney. I like that. It sounds like a t shirt. Is there any t shirt companies out there? We have actually like 12, 15 very good ideas for t shirts. So if anyone knows any t shirt companies, there's lots of people here. Like so many people have gone on to me here, lads. Have you any t shirts? Let's buy. We have some like, what is it? SevereMeta.com forward slash merchandise, but they're kind of they're kind of shit. We have some great ideas for t shirts. If anyone out there wants to make some money, get onto us. Let us know. But anyway, yeah, Shani Baloney. I was going to call... I had actually forgotten what name to call you, so I'm going to call you the Chuck Bass of Irish Media, Graham McTann. How are you? How's your week been, Graham? Very, pretty boring like the rest of us, is it? Yeah, you know, the old uh, quarantine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got some good practice at the old quarantine, so it's it's not too bad. <laughs> Me too. It's like just normal life for us, but not being able to go to the shops is awesome. that meme? Dude, I didn't know my love of my life for the last 10 years was called quarantine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love the way, like, uh, every MMA media member, or lots of media people around the place are like, uh, yeah, are we supposed to be, like, feeling bad here for what's happening to our lives? Like, it's the exact same. But, like, okay, the, you know, with different things about work. A little bit less traffic, well. though. A little bit less traffic when you do need to go out, which is good. Yeah, I've just been staying in. <laughs> yeah, look at the positives, Sean. You have to look at the positives. Do you know what's great? I said I think as well in the last podcast, maybe the one with Andy. Like, uh, we went away for a drive yesterday, like, and you can you can go for a bit of a drive and see the countryside and things. It's it's good. Even if, I know a lot of the, I was talking to Andy Stevenson the other day and he went up, like, the Wicklow Mountain was up and there was, like, fucking thousands of people up there. So that's no fucking good for you either. But, like, even go for a drive, roll down the windows and stuff, it's... See a bit yeah. of nature. Don't do anything reckless, and yeah. you can you can you don't have to stay in the house the whole time. But mm-hmm. what some people do in certain countries is different rules. But over yeah. here, you just you can just places are just closed. You can basically do what you want, but just don't do anything stupid. Yeah, unless you're sick, didn't fucking stay stay in the house. But yeah, look, at a lot of people a lot of people don't know they're sick until yeah, that's true, until they're yeah. already contagious and apparently and stuff. So yeah, it's just better, especially if you're an older person or have some kind of underlying serious medical condition already. Mm-hmm. I think for for most people, it's it's just some people might even know they have it. Like a couple yeah. of footballers came out and said, "Oh, I, I've been diagnosed with coronavirus, but I don't feel anything. I just mm-hmm. feel exactly the same." Yeah, that's it. Yeah, look, it's there's no point us. Well, we, there, I suppose there is a point of us preaching, but we, we we've all heard it all before, yeah. But look, we're in it for the long haul now, and uh, we might as well say. Do you know one thing I've really noticed? And I I was talking to uh, someone about it the other day. The level of microphones and webcams of uh, media is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> have you seen like loads of people trying to do things from home and they don't even have a microphone or a webcam or anything? Like, what are you doing, lads? What have you doing just covering sports for the last 10 years and you even buy a fucking Blue Yeti, like, plug it into your laptop? Costs 150 It's not quid. just even in MMA. It's in all, oh, yeah, that's what all I mean. sorts yeah, yeah. of media. Yeah, it's, it's, you think, okay, MMA guys are like doing it by themselves, getting paid crumbs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in other, like, big websites big sports places there's there's a lot there's a lot that could be improved but i suppose it's a last minute thing they're just trying to get content out keep making that money keep their sponsors happy they just learn on the job and figure it out when like we started when we started this website when when you started whatever your our stuff was terrible and we'd probably be you know embarrassed looking at it now but uh yeah maybe maybe this will lead to a change in in, in the future depending on how long this uh this coronavirus thing goes on it might lead to a change in how people do things in, in media and in workplaces yeah definitely I've always kind of said it though if anyone getting into media what's the first thing you do buy a fucking microphone <laughs> I think it's very important because even if 
like let's say you're working for fucking RT or something, RT gets an MMA media uh, correspondent, you're working in a studio if you're doing a podcast or whatever, but you're always going to need, you know, I might ring you up for an interview or someone in France might ring you for an interview or something, and like doing it on your phone is kind of shit, have a fucking, have a microphone, like, and I know, okay, I'm not saying everyone has like loads of money to go out and buy stuff, I don't, but like, you buy a good Blue Yeti for like, one of the entry ones for like 50 quid I think, or one, like the one I have is like, I think I got it with like a gay a PC game or something for like 150 quid or something and it's lasted me like two years now this one so it's, that's not bad for something if you're doing it all the time like you know but um yeah anyway a bit off topic yeah, and I suppose, the, go on the one I got is a directional mic got a few years ago and use it for interviews use it for the podcast now and mm-hmm. I think it was like two or three hundred euro but if you use it for a lot of years and you buy a good one and it does the job well then like it's a good investment yeah i've literally only had two well at the start i had loads of shit mic but yeah don't listen to the first like 20 podcasts <laughs> but after that for like what are we 253 i've had two microphones i think so yeah they're pretty reliable and they keep uh keep going anyway but anyway i suppose over the next few weeks we'll have a lot of off-topic <laughs> stuff because we won't have much to talk about as, yeah. uh, this well, is- uh, all, all high and mighty about sound quality and stuff like that is a bit rich as well so yeah so uh, screaming at the podcast sorry about that yeah <laughs> about three weeks ago we fucked up our sound quality as well at one stage so yeah but i think i don't know is there any podcast like some, sometimes yeah. sometimes the internet's just bad or there's just some problem with what you're doing and you just can't get it right and we, we've tried for errors before but you know sometimes it is just the, the equipment is a webcam on a on a laptop and they're talking into their laptop microphone and sometimes that's not the best yeah even like last week we did the podcast and i kept fucking freezing and i was like what the fuck is wrong i didn't even know what was wrong and i had phil on as well and we did the podcast i kept freezing and then like after both of them my laptop was updating it's like what the fuck why did it updated twice in like the space of three days and it just stalled out me the whole time but Anyway, look, I suppose we'll have plenty of time to talk about that shit over the next few weeks. If there's any topics you want us to talk about, let us know, because we'll probably have to do, like, 45-minute podcasts on... Actually, someone sent in a... Maybe we could do it. Maybe we could do it as ask us anything. Just, like, it doesn't have to be to do with anything. Yeah. To do with sport or MMA. Mm -hmm. It can be if you want, but you can just ask us anything, and we'll avoid the the void answering it as much as possible. Yeah. Someone asked us, I think it's a good idea, to do, like, a look back at Conor McGregor's career in cage wires, because actually, I don't think that's really been done that much and obviously you're at probably most of those fights or seen them anyway so i think that's a good idea there's what probably five or six seven fights to kind of go back and watch maybe that'd be a good like half an hour kind of special thing that we could bring out on a on a sunday to do but that'll probably come in next and i have actually another very good podcast lined up as well uh with a, a kind of a q a with a, another guest as well who people might uh might be able to guess but probably do that in uh, in two or three weeks time but anyway we have some mma to talk about today uh as cage warriors went down last night. I suppose before we get into the MMA, like, the, the question was, should this card have happened? Um, should it have gone down at all? I think most people's answer, answer to that would probably be no. You know, we need... Everyone needs to stay in their house. You know, everyone needs to avoid getting in a car, going with your coaches, hugging your coaches before you get to the cage, going into the cage and fighting with someone and being there next to a referee and that same referee had done four fights earlier on in the night and then you go home and you go into your pub in Liverpool like Paddy Pimblett was talking about afterwards and you, you're you in there drinking with fucking 100 other people. Like, that's not good. That is not good in this situation. Like, it really isn't. And I know, you know, they're saying that those were the rules that the, the government had put out and 75 minutes before the cage wires had started, they actually changed those rules. Um, but it went down anyway because they, they did it from from that night. But, like, MMA always has to be the last ones to do it. They have to be the last ones left, even when we all know it's not right and proper to do it. And, they, you know, they talked about the, the, um, the steps they took, that they did... Uh, they did a temperature t- uh, test so they go in and you know to check if you had a fever or whatever if you were showing any symptoms and all and fair play to them they did all those precautions but those precautions are not enough as you mentioned earlier on Graham in, in the podcast you can be asymptomatic you can not be showing symptoms of having coronavirus you can still have it and you can still give it to someone else and all it takes is one person to give it and to also, another person like Mm-hmm. Also, like what Joe McCulgan said, uh, I think to to Pizzi, he said, uh, you know, it's a, it's a worry cutting his cutting all his weight, like mm-hmm. damaging his immune system and his body when when this virus is going around, and if he was to contract it, it might end up being worse. Then, so 
you know, it's it's risky for the fighters, and obviously they've trained and want to fight, but it's it's and they're taking a lot of risks anyway. So they're probably just gonna put it out of their mind like they do with the other risks. But uh, yeah, it is a bit of a sticky situation. Yeah, and I think as Zen Simon put it up on uh, on Twitter the other day, you know, fighters saying we go in there and we risk our lives uh, every time we fight. But imagine if the and he said this. Imagine if the MMA debt rate was two percent, as they're saying. This might be in you know, it might be up as far as five percent, or might be lower than two percent. Who knows? But imagine out of if every hundred fight, every fifty fights, two people died. Imagine that. That's that's how serious this is, and spreading that disease around is what's going on here. So I really don't yeah. think this. Well, 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 we'll never know that that rate because a lot of people won't show symptoms or won't yeah. be tested for it, and will have it, or mm-hmm. you know, or, or like a lot of. Uh, it's very hard to know, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something to be careful with. Like I think people. Uh, from what I've read, people uh, can it can spread to people very easily, but it's not exactly a, a really strong virus once you get it, unless you're already vulnerable. So yeah, for most people, they might, they might even bit. notice they they might even notice they have it, or yeah. they might just think they have a normal flu and they they have coronavirus and they never get tested and they get over it and they move on. And we it's just very hard to know what the actual uh, casualty rate is. Yeah, and I think. The, the thing about it as well, it's, that's changing as well because the vast majority of people like me or you could have had it for the last two weeks and not even known and now we'd be grand again or even someone with the symptoms could have had it and it never show or with the uh, with underlying health symptoms could have could have had it and it could have passed and they'd never even know. But it's happening now, people that don't even have underlying health systems, like healthy people are kind of getting sick from it as well or it's hurting them for maybe for a couple of weeks and, you know, how how is this going to develop? We, we, we don't know, but, yeah, it's look, it's it's serious anyway. I think everyone acknowledges it at the moment. But, yeah, I, look, I, I really, I, I, watching the fights, I just, <laughs> I didn't feel good watching them. I really didn't. It was, it just, it felt off. Like, it just really did. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about, uh, this week, you know, I think Luke Thomas said it that you know, there's a lot of there isn't many good guys in MMA or many like really really good people in MMA, and I I think this week really has showed it. There's a lot of selfish people out there, a lot of people who all, like only think of themselves, and like. I know that it's fucking shitty. It's shitty for it's shitty for me. It's shitty for you. It's shitty for probably everyone listening to this. I guarantee you, a, a high percentage of people listening to this are uh, gonna lose their jobs. Are gonna lose their jobs for a few weeks. Are gonna get cut down in hours. Are not gonna be earning as much money, and that is fucking horrendous. And I think there's like fighters for for years have had this. And rightly so, this thing about, you know, we put our our uh, lives at risk and they're like, you know, a lot of fighters have the attitude that we're kind of untouchable. You can't say anything bad about us. We are above everyone else. Uh, and in certain ways, they should be like that because they fight, a, they, they, they perform a very different job to anyone else. But that's not the case anymore. That's not the case during a pandemic. Everyone is equal here. You see all those fucking idiots uh, singing Imagine Gal Gadot and all of them and stuck in their house. And they're all, you know, all these celebrities, these millionaires, they're all the same. This is an equalizer. And nobody should be going out in this unless you're working in a hospital or you're working in a shop. Or you have to keep the electricity on or you have to keep the fucking broadband on and everything like that. Unless you're an essential worker people fighting in a cage are not essential workers i hate to break it to you but they're just not now there i'm not i'm not criticizing you know the, the people who who did it uh who went and commentated or who went and were the officials or who went and you know worked whatever job you're working there but the fact that the event was put on at all i i'd love to know why i'd love to know why like apart from this the show must go on thing that mma seems to have I have no idea why the show would go on. I really don't. Why? Well, maybe it's a thing where where the cage warriors think if we don't put the show on, it could hit us so bad financially or put us under. Maybe it's maybe it's that tight there. Like a, 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 I don't know anything behind the scenes or anything, but maybe it's, money's really tight, and if they if they lose a show, it really hit them hard. 
it, could it be that bad? Like, like, are, how much money are they making by losing all the crowd? Like, you know, would it, if they uh, if they say if they didn't have any of the costs of bringing on the judges or the fighters or the or the referees or the the staff there? Like, how much money would they save by not doing the show rather than doing the show? Like, when you're not getting any crowd, okay, you're probably getting money from from the UFC, but how much money actually is there? Like, there isn't this big TV deal where they're getting millions and millions out of a TV deal. They're on UFC Fight Pass, like. I, I don't think it's getting huge amounts of money out of this. Like, I, I don't know. You know, obviously, they're probably making a bit of money out of UFC Fight Pass. But it's just... And even if, like... It, this is more serious than any of that, I think. It really... And it's it's a shitty thing to say. But it's the same for lots of people. Lots of people's businesses are going to be closing down. Lots of people are going to be losing their jobs. But it's that's this most serious... It's a serious situation here. It's a really, really, really serious situation. And, like, the UFC had to stop. There's only... I think there's only one event in America gone on this weekend. In, and it's on in Florida tonight. Uh, and, uh, like, MMA... All events have stopped everywhere around the world. I think the only thing that happened in Ireland today is like horse racing, and that's outside. And there's like one person allowed with a horse, and they're like st- all standing like twenty feet apart, on out in the middle of a fucking race course. You know where? Uh, you know if if we listen to to what the people are saying, that if you're outside and you're apart, it's not too bad. You know these people are in a cage, fucking grappling with each other, bleeding all over the place. That's not good. Like that is not. It's just not good at all. And. I don't yeah, and having the, the day before having cut a lot of weight yeah. and kind of broke your body down a bit it's it's for some guys it's, the weight cut isn't too bad but for other guys it's bad and for some guys it's really bad like so mm-hmm. if you're one of those guys that has a bad weight cut like put your immune system down and put you at risk and all you need is uh all you all you need is like touch something that somebody with the virus has and as we said people are, are not showing symptoms and stuff like that so it's just a it's just a risk and i don't think these guys are getting paid much either so it was a uh it was a, it was a risk for not a lot of reward especially for the guys who ended up losing mm-hmm. and i think as well and uh, another huge part what if someone gets injured like not even injured maybe that badly just injured where they need care over a couple of hours or need to be to look that get a concussion or something like that it's going to be very hard to get a place in a hospital like you know it's going to be very hard to 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 go in somewhere and the hospitals are over and especially england is blown up over and uh, there now and in a big city as well like uh like manchester it's just it's not good you're not just it's not that you're uh, just affecting yourself you could be affecting other people as well apart from actually spreading the virus you could be affecting some you know someone getting a hospital bed or something like that it's just i, I, I suppose I, that they, they would like, yeah i agree with a lot of, a lot of what you're saying but Cage Warriors would probably say, oh, well, like, you know, Boris Johnson and the Prime Minister and the government said, it's all good, so it's mm-hmm. all good. It's, we're, we're not educated in this field. These guys have, you know, uh, the top people in the country or in that country around them telling them things and they're making the decisions based on that. And that, that would probably be what, what they'd say. But you um, see a lot of other sports, uh, a lot of other just general activities or businesses that people people have or people go to are, are closing down or putting on special um like a lot of places over here the restaurants aren't open they're, they're just doing takeout or mm-hmm. places are doing like no contact delivery and stuff like that like it's with all these companies taking it this seriously you, you think that that would be that would give some pause to the cage warriors but yeah. i don't know as i said earlier there might be some other there might be some other factors going on behind the behind the scenes that means they really think they for the health of the company they need to put it on the show but i haven't heard anything mm-hmm. behind the scenes or anything like that but that could be one reason that i'm 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 just searching for a reason yeah yeah look it's it's odd and i look at lee i think this will probably be the last time we, we speak about someone putting on a card during this because i don't think it's gonna happen again for the ufc we, we didn't mention the ufc we was back with a with a bit with a fight oh yeah we'll we'll, well. we'll, we'll get into that too but yeah they said earlier on the day that they'd be the, the, the first sport back and then boom later that night you see fight yeah i don't think there'll be any fights now maybe for at least a month and i'd say probably at least two months maybe but i'm interested to see who maybe the first one back you know when let's say we get to this situation we're in right now when it's slowing down, so let's say it gets, I, and I'm purely making up numbers here, let's say it gets to 500,000 in England, hopefully fucking pray to God, I don't believe in him, but I pray to him anyway that it doesn't get there, and let's say it slows down, comes down, comes down, and we're back to like, 
you know, whatever it is, going up by 300 a day. Like, who will be the first ones to come back when it gets to 1,000 a day or 500 a day or something? That's, I think that's the next big topic that who is going to be the first one back and when's it going to be safe? Like, there's sports coming back over in South Korea right now, but they're, they have yeah. a, a fantastic way well, of doing I'd it. Mm-hmm. If, like, for example, the Premier League or any other sport were to do like behind closed doors and stuff, I think Dana and the UFC would, or other promotions, MMA promotions, would see that as a green light to start putting on events again, on, uh, events on again on TV at least. With mm-hmm. even if it's like, you know, uh, like Cade Wars or like you know, in the Tough Gym or the yeah. the Contender Series or the the new UFC Apex. Yeah, I I think there's a big difference between MMA though and those other sports like. It, it might sound simplistic. Oh, no, no, I know, I know, I know that, but I think that that would be the green light in their yeah, minds. That's true as well. But like, even say like the horse racing today, like they're they're all outside. There's like ten jockeys up on horses. That like there's a very much less of a risk there. I don't think it should still be going on because those people should be in their homes or even like soccer. You know, you have twenty two lads out in the field and a big open area. It's not going to be as bad. I still, I still don't think that should be going on. But you very in an. Oh, you know, there's no fucking opens, uh, <laughs> open arenas for MMA to go on. And even if there was, there's two lads right up on top of each other, and then the referee on top of himself. So look, we'll we've talked about it now, and I think people, I like, I, I think most people would agree. There's always there's always going to be idiots who don't agree, and if you don't agree, you are a fucking idiot. Honestly, I truly believe that. Um, and ugh, I don't know. Anyway. Let's <laughs> let's talk about the fights. Uh, even though it's it's a bit weird, but anyway. Uh, right, so uh, Lewis Monarch and uh, Kingsley Crawford. Kingsley Crawford managed to get the second round submission. I actually didn't see that fight, but I saw the uh, I saw the rest of them. I don't know. Did you see? You saw most of these fights as well, didn't you? I don't think you saw the first couple, did you? Did you see the? No, I'm, one? I I I missed that one. Uh, I just saw the finish on Twitter, but then I saw the rest of them except for the the UFC fight at the end. Oh yeah, uh, Aiden Stapleton defeated Jack Collins. All, all these results are up on uh, on Severe Med as well. Andy Stevens put them up there as well. Uh, then the first kind of maybe standout performance tonight was uh, James Hinden who defeated Chris Edwards via unanimous decision. I thought he looked really, really good for... Uh, I think he was only 22 years of age. And this was only his fifth fight, I believe. But really good top game, yeah. heavy and top Chris game. Edwards is an experienced guy, like yeah. 25th fight. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's some, someone like this, you look at him and like... Uh, if you'd never seen him before, you never saw his record or anything, you could say, oh, he's obviously a dominant fighter, very good athlete, but maybe he doesn't have all the tools. But when you see it five fights in... If someone like him, you have a very good base there. If he's in a good camp with good training and stuff, over the next five fights, maybe he could develop into, uh, you know, adding on a bit of striking, adding on a bit of jiu-jitsu, adding on a bit of um, ground and pound on the ground with that heavy top game. He could be a dangerous prospect coming up soon, couldn't he? Yeah, he could be. Like, you know, looking at his record, he has a win over uh, Kingsley Crawford, mm-hmm. uh, who who we mentioned earlier, who moved to 5-2 and two himself uh, already in Cage Warriors. So, like, you know, he's, he's not... For for a guy who's early in his career, he's not fighting uh, cans like he's fighting the kind of the correct guys mm-hmm. to fight. Obviously, he's had an extensive uh, amateur career. Um, about, was it about nine or ten fights there, and only two losses by decision. Mm-hmm. So he, he's a bit more experienced than um, maybe his record w- w- would show. His pro record would show, but he's still uh, like you know in his fifth fight to fight a guy with twenty five fights, a guy who's been around for a long time in in promotions like Cage Warriors and in Chris Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely a big win and an impressive uh, uh, dominate domination. Yeah, and from then on in, the fight started kind of getting really good uh the uh jamie richardson versus matthew bonner fight i believe bonner fights out of uh out of paddy pimblett's gym and he came out and he was you know thrown hard especially early in the second round but early in the first as well uh but richardson he, i thought his striking was just a little bit better a little bit uh a little bit crisper uh the first round was close but i thought the second and third were very close to a 10-8 i think i gave the second uh, a 10-8 and uh the judges uh, kind of agreed on that as well. It was uh, thirty twenty-seven. Yeah, one judge had a yeah. One judge had two ten eights, didn't he? Uh, did he? Or was that? No, that or, was a. No. That was a five. Oh, that was the other fight. That, that was a five four. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a good fight. I thought that Jamie Richardson was good. What about Adam Amasinger though? You know, I think Brad Wharton said it on the commentary. The Amasinger name, if you're familiar with that, obviously his brother fought on um, on tough tough season nine. I think it's spelled it? differently though. Is it? It's, is it? 
It's about, I think so, yeah. Or maybe the the UFC just changed his name to make it more Americanized I don't know. when he was on tough. Like like James Gallagher, is it? Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> who, who was that commentator? Sean. Oh, Grandy, uh, Sean. Not Sean Wheelock. Sean Grant. something. Sean Grant. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone, Grant. if anyone doesn't know, I was like, he kept calling him Gallagher. And I tweeted him and goes, his name is Gallagher. And then I'd send him a video of James Gallagher saying his own name. And he's like, no, he. this is how he told us how to pronounce it. <laughs> You're wrong. He's like, I was like, what are you What are you talking about? And then we sent him a video. Remember, I've, I've, oh, no, yeah, I sent him a video of James Gallagher. No, but and he, he, didn't he say some other things and delete the tweets? Yeah, yeah, he deleted the tweets. Because they proven to be, to be incorrect and <laughs> yeah, he deleted them. Completely wrong. And then you interviewed James Gallagher like a week later and you asked him how to say his own name. Remember that? <laughs> like, how would you say your own name oh yeah it was hilarious but it's funny your lads just are proven wrong and then just don't back that i was like why are you doing this it's very weird but anyway yeah uh how do we get from uh, that they just see some some dickhead sending them a message on twitter saying yeah you're doing your job wrong they yeah. probably just reply to all of them the same yeah <laughs> i love I, I used to love tweeting lads tell them they're doing their job wrong but anyway I, i'll still do it but i'd probably be fucking stuck in the house now i'd be tweeting lads more time they're doing their job wrong but anyway i i like that uh i'm a singer i thought he was uh i thought he was very very good looked well rounded those high knees were really really good and the fact that it came down when did it end it ended with one second left in the first round and you know uh, the, the commentator i think i think his name was, was it daniel strauss or something he was i thought he was very very good i really really enjoyed him i thought he was good but uh with oh, 10 seconds left he was like i think i'm gonna finish it here and i was like no i don't think so there's only 10 seconds left and you know um uh jake bond was doing a good job of maybe surviving things but i'm a singer just laid it on tough and landed those accurate shots that's a very very hard thing to do i remember um after the Cerrone McGregor fight, I kind of talked about that with McGregor, and I think he's one of the best, probably the best we've ever seen. At after hurting someone, landing those big finishing shots, those little accurate shots that you know, if you were to do them with someone, uh, you know, when you're practicing them and they're on the ground, I'm, they're very, very easy, I'm sure. After someone has hurt, but when you that adrenaline rushing through you after just knocking someone down, after just hurting someone, it must be like one of the t- toughest things in sports to do not to yeah. fall. Even in shots. McGregor, who you who you mentioned being very good at it, if you look at like the Eddie Alvarez fight or even the even the Cerrone fight it isn't as clean as it isn't like you know uh, it isn't a rush to adrenaline you knock the guy down the crowd goes mm-hmm. crazy and you, you it is it is easy to just throw a bunch of punches especially when the ref comes in close mm-hmm. you think oh if I flurry here but the, the correct thing and the, the the calm composed thing to do is to you know hold the head or place the place the shots better and, and all it takes is one or two once the guys it doesn't even have to be the, the most brutal shots to put them away but obviously it is extremely difficult to keep your composure in, in that moment yeah 100% I thought Amasinger was really good at doing that in the last especially the last 10 seconds but even before that I thought it was very very good really really impressed with him and a, a good finish for him there and then, you know, it started off maybe the madness after that with Darren O'Garman versus Conor Hignett. Uh, O'Garman, I believe, I was talking this morning, and I think he was uh, he was ahead 10, uh, 2017 on at least one judge's card anyway, and I think even more on another judge's card by the time this went into the third round. And then Conor Hignett came out and just landed a huge... Uh, overhand, you know, in the first round, O'Garman was landing that left hook. It was a lovely shot. He kept landing it, you know, the bigger, taller guy. In the round two, he had a flying triangle and he was landing these huge elbows, nearly got the arm bar. But he was in that triangle for like, what, three minutes maybe? And he kind of blew out his legs. It looked like he had the opportunity at one stage. He was pulling down the knee and pulling down the head. But I think it was maybe late in the round and he kind of gave up on it. But maybe if he'd stayed in it for another two or three seconds, he could have got it. But however, uh, he didn't. And in the third round, then. The huge overhand right, uh, just a, a really accurate shot and a, a beautiful finish for uh, for Conor Hignan, obviously after losing the, the first two rounds badly. You know, obviously uh, a pity for Darren O'Garman from down in Cork, but uh, what, a, what a great fight, what a great comeback. Fair play to Conor Hignan, it was very good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was from Hignett and from Darren O'Gorman, it was a good performance as well. He's always uh, in exciting fights or close fights. Even we mentioned that uh, Amasinger there, he a couple of two, I don't know, recently anyway, they they fought to a split decision as well. So uh, you know, he he can kind of hang. He, I think he kind of fights Darren O'Gorman, kind of fights at the level of his opponent and uh, always kind of you know was willing to take one to give one and kind of stand in the pocket and never back down. But you know this is what can happen when you do that you can be two rounds up and maybe a bit of a bit of safety would have would have um 
would have been called for there, but it doesn't really fit into O'Gorman's uh, character or fight style. Mm-hmm. Darren O'Gorman versus Decky McAleen, and I want to see that fight. I think that'd be a good fight. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's uh, the next and, one. Andrew McGahan's favorite fighter. Andrew, Andrew McGahan used to love Darren O'Gorman as well. I just remember him always talking about Darren O'Gorman. I can't do the accent well. Darren O'Gorman. Facebook. <laughs> well, well, I was just on the Facebook. <laughs> what a gas, man. Um, this Perry Goodwin, uh, Steve Amiable fight was, or Amiable, I always call him Amiable, but Amiable, uh, was a very good fight as well. Like, Perry Goodwin came out and he was kind of running the pace in the first round, uh, and he was making uh, Amiable fight to his pace. But in the second round, I thought Amiable did the exact same thing. He dropped Goodwin with a beautiful jab, because everyone knows how much I love jabs. Uh, took him down late. Even though Goodwin had, you know, Goodwin had probably won three and a half minutes of that round at least. I, I think the the fact that he dropped him with that huge jab and he took him down and landed some uh, shots late. He took him down from a flying knee, uh, I believe, and uh, and and I still think he won that round just because of that immediately impactful jab that that dropped him. And in the third round was just madness. This was the sort of round you're like, who the fuck is is winning this round with like a minute left? But Perry Gooden, I thought, stood up in that last minute and won the round and won the fight. And that's what happened. He got the unanimous decision 29-28. And I think, I think this is, you know, some fights we look at them and go, oh, this could be anyone's here in the last minute. But I genuinely think this was one of them where the last minute of the fight won it. And it was still a bit of a back and forth. And if someone had given it to Amable, I, you know, I wouldn't have disagreed with him. But I think... I think this is what maybe separates the, the good judges from the bad judges. And uh, they stood up and got this one right. Very good fight, though, wasn't it? From two guys who've been around a long time and uh, are uh, a really good Cage Warrior veterans. Yeah, yeah, it was a good fight. It was actually, like, overall, it was it was a good, it was a good card. Yeah. Uh, well, like, kind of started slow and then became a really good card. And I think Cage Warriors kind of... Even if you, even if you, you're a casual, you haven't heard of the guys, They they you can come in and they'll always be good fights you know they're not trying to make squash matches even you know the next fight we're going to talk about the Paddy Pimitle fight mm-hmm. you know they could have easily got a like most people most people outside of Ireland never heard of Decky Dalton mm-hmm. uh, so like for to most people it's like oh here's a squash match but really we know that actually that could that could have been potentially a dangerous uh, well like you know Dalton offered some some problems for Paddy Pimblett, mm-hmm. but uh, you, you got to give credit to, to Ian Dean and Boylan and the people behind the scenes of Cage Warriors for, you know, we, we criticised them or you criticised them a bit or we kind of talked about if it's question or questioned their decision to put on the event, but mm-hmm. when they do put on events, they do put on good matchups and they 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 try to see who the best is. They're not trying to just build a guy. To, they're obviously trying to build a guy to the UFC, but they're not trying to give anybody an easy route to the UFC. They want you to get to the UFC seasoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. They've they've always done that. And even I've, you know, I've, I've heard the lads and cage riders before talk about guys who gotten signed by the UFC, uh, maybe two fights too early, and they're not very happy about it. You know, they're like not just to the fact that they lost the fighters from their organization, which I'm sure they're they're never happy about. <laughs> and how could you be? But they're happy. They're not happy that they didn't get there at the right time, you know. And I like cage warriors, and that this is why it's been so felt so weird to me putting on this event. The fact that they are literally looking out for the fighters and trying to make them the best fighters they can be. In ter- definitely in terms of matchmaking, anyway, I think Ian Dean's absolutely fantastic. But even in terms of when is the right time to go, you know, when you've had the right amount of fights to go to the UFC at the right time, I think they're fantastic at doing that. They're probably the best in the world yeah. at doing that. So I think they 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 learn that over time. Like I, th- I remember, yeah. like years and years ago now, like Boylan and other people in in Cage Warriors talking about how they don't want guys to go to the UFC mm-hmm. and talking about Zufa clauses and uh, not putting them in contracts anymore. And there was a lot of talk about that, and fighters were were saying if that happened they wouldn't sign and yeah. you know it, you can never compete with the UFC like you, mm. <laughs> like so many people have tried and like you, you're going to have to really go for really put a lot of money behind it and make some big moves and get fighters out of their contracts or you know it's it's going to be very difficult to do you just got to you, you got to do a cage where a, a promotion the size and level of cage where is it's definitely the best move to try and build your fighter so that people can see here's a, another successful transition from cage warriors to UFC and that's probably why they're a bit upset when when a guy goes too early because maybe they, they, they know or they think they if they had to manage him for another fight or two or a year or two then he could have went to the UFC much more prepared to to showcase himself well 
yeah. or herself well in the UFC. 100%. I, I remember talking about it at the time when kind of that was happening. And everyone tries to act like they are going to compete with the UFC, or maybe at that time at least. But I think the fact that Kedor has kind of transitioned to a UFC feeder league, and that might sound like, oh, it's negative or whatever, but it's not negative. If, you, if you're feeding people to the UFC, you know you have good fighters because you don't get to the UFC unless you're very, very good. So you could see all the early days of all those really good fighters getting to the UFC. I think that's something that people like. And you know when you watch a Cage Warriors fight, if you see, you know, Reese McKee or Mason Jones, who we'll talk about later on fighting, or a Jack Shore back in the day, or Nathaniel Wood, or, you know, a Kyle Pinder or a Conor McGregor, or a Michael Bisping, or Dan Hardy, or whoever it is, you know that they're going, you know, there's a prospect of them going to the UFC and being a very, very good UFC fighter. So I think that's a very good thing for someone like Cage Warriors to have. And with the fact that, especially in this part of the world now, since McGregor came, there's a huge boom create you know created by conor mcgregor to bring more fighters through who maybe wouldn't have turned to fighting before and cage warriors in that perfect position now with the likes of ian gary paul hughes and the rest to come through and bring them onto the ufc so i think they're in a, a great position and you know once this all clears around i'm sure they'll be in a, a very good position again but um probably the biggest name in the card obviously opened up the main card paddy pimda took just, on just just before go you go into that just while you mentioned paul hughes what if you were paul hughes or you were managing paul hughes what would you do next where would you try to go next wait, wait who did i talk to this about i think it might be andy or someone on the podcast a few weeks ago i actually think paul hughes would is the kind of the one person who'd actually be better off in the ufc right now because if you put him into those big fights against say mads burnell that's a very tough fight like how how long would it take paul hughes in the ufc to get a fight as tough as mads burnell i think it'd take him a couple of years like he's like he's very I know, very he's good. irish and he's and you got a good highlight already and if he goes in there against one or two guys that he, he beats and spectacularly the hype's going to push him up the ufc rankings very quickly i don't know I don't know, like, I I feel like it's harder to garner hype now. Like, even, say, the likes of Cyril Gagne coming in, where he doesn't have that many fights, they're still giving him not that tough a fight. Like, maybe, maybe they'd push him on, but he's had three or four fights. It's hard in that division, though. It's not hard in, in the lighter divisions where Hughes would be coming in. Yeah, yeah. What, what would you do with him? a lot of good guys there. <sighs> like, Cage Warriors, would, would, like, I was just thinking there when we were talking about Cage Warriors, Cage Warriors would be a good option. You know, I, I, I think last I heard or maybe I'm making this up but I think I heard from Paul Hughes the years that he wants to be in the UFC some guys are happy to go to Bellator or whatever but I think he wants to be in the UFC so mm-hmm. that kind of rules Bellator out oh, but he's in, he signed uh, with Cajors and yeah he signed like a four or five contract with Cajors so he's yeah, he's look. He said he fought what two weeks ago there, and he said he wants to fight for the Cage Warriors title at the end of the year, and that I don't know. It, like, I think it's a tough one, but because of the fact that the UFC, I mean, you think is, it's just like what three, four fights in Cage Warriors and then to the UFC, or you think build them up in Cage Warriors, get them a title, kind of make them make them the, the known champion, and then send them to the UFC, or like I think the thing about Cage Warriors is right now it's kind of hard to hold him back because Paul Hughes is really 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 good and uh, like in my perfect world what if uh, you know I could magically put my my uh my magic wand over Paul Hughes I'd have him fight three or four more fights before he got to a Mads Burnell or a Margan Sherry or something like that I just think he needs a bit of experience but I think he's like I really really rate Paul Hughes unbelievably highly I think he's absolutely fantastic I, I honestly think like if he went to the UFC right now to avoid, say, fighting a Mads Burnell right now, I think he'd win a few fights and then have progressed enough to be right up there with the guys in the top 40 in the UFC in his division. Because, like, it's it's a difficult situation in Cage Warriors because they don't have that many guys signed and it's going to be hard to get lads to fight Paul Hughes. So he's only going to be able to have a few fights and he'll be right into that title contingent in again it's you know it's a difficult one i suppose because as well if you look at it from paul hughes's point of view and like okay we know he wants to get to the ufc and he wants to progress his career it's more important than anything but if you look at it from say like a money point of view you're fighting a ufc caliber guy maybe in mads burnell or a morgan charia in six months time and how much money you're going to be getting for that you're not going to be getting a ufc purse for that so that's another you know thing to think about as well so i think he's in He's in a very difficult situation at the moment to what they should do. What You know, and Ian Dean knows better than me or Paul Hughes or anyone about doing this. So he's the right man to have with him. So I'd, I trust Ian Dean to do it. But uh, I think it's an interesting situation for Paul Hughes, isn't it? What, what, what would you do with him? I think it's too early to... I think, you know, obviously he's been looking really, really good. But he's fighting guys who are, you know, 1-0, 2-0, 3-2, 2-0. 
and obviously four and one there but you know the UFC like you know even like even four fights in cage warriors you probably want to build them up slowly through experience levels of opponents um mm. he has had a lot of broken hand problems hopefully they don't reoccur and delay him mm-hmm. but if he could stay injury free and events with cage warriors get going again after this coronavirus uh, subsides then you know, I think I think another contract after this four-year contract with, with Cage Warriors would probably be the the correct move. Yeah, yeah, or four fight. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, look, we'll we'll see how it goes. I think it's interesting. Sorry, not four year. Yeah, yeah four, four fight. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's talk about Paddy Pimblet. <laughs> We got completely off of this guard. Uh, Paddy Pimlet, obviously, you know, he's a guy as well who's had his injury problems and, you know, uh, lads missing weight against him and fights falling out and all of this. Uh, so it was good to, you know, to see him back, even if uh, his the way he's acted on Twitter, especially in the last week, has been not very good at all. But anyway, we leave that to a side. Uh, he came in here and, uh, you know, Decky Dalton did what everyone was saying Decky Dalton should do you know he went forward and threw a big shot of Paddy Pimblet and he hit him with that big shot uh unlucky for Decky he fell but when Paddy got uh, down on the ground he showed how good he is you know I said he reminded me a little bit of James Gallagher uh when he gets to the ground he's just unbelievable he caught Decky uh Decky's arm up so like a little bit unlucky for Decky again but very good by Paddy to catch that arm up you know he got the body triangle and the fucking arm triangle (laughs) I know what you'd call it, the, the arm stuck in the body triangle. And, um, you know, Decky did a great job, I thought, of fighting with fucking one arm against with Paddy Pimblet on his back for a couple of minutes. But there's only so tough, so much you can do with that position. I think he had to take a little bit of a chance uh, to get the arm out at one stage and it ended up giving Paddy an even better position uh, on his back. And uh, obviously he took it from there and uh, ended up getting the, the TKO. What did you uh, what did you think of the performance from the bottom of the fight? Yeah, I think I think um, it was a bit unfortunate for Dalton that he kind of slipped or stumbled and, and kind of led to the the ground sequence initiating. And obviously, it was just a completely different level of, of grappling once it hit the ground. It seemed like to me it was just a matter of time, and that he wasn't making it out of the first round. We've we've seen it so many times from Paddy Pimblet. Uh, he, he, once you get your back, like he, you're, you're kind of fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a very very tough position to be in. Like, I suppose if you're a a Paddy Pimblet fan, you're watching that fight. Your worry is that fucking Decky Dalton. Like, if, if, if you know, if Decky Dalton's been preparing for the biggest fight of his life for for two months and working on you know the uh, high level guys being on his back defending where they get chosen and stuff like that, maybe he could have survived at the end of the round. But when you're coming in on what? five days notice or something mm-hmm. six yeah, days nine, notice nine days I think yeah tough nine days notice sorry against a guy that good uh, who's preparing for a big fight uh, and there's already that huge disparity on the, in your ground games it's, it's very difficult mm-hmm. yeah 100% but look it's good to see Paddy back hopefully he can uh, he can get back and now have a few fights for the end of the year although you never know with the, this whole um, this whole coronavirus thing but uh, yeah <laughs> obviously for cage Paddy's Paddy's you know they're their top draw for years and years and uh you know i'm sure he'll be hoping to uh to get a slot in the ufc maybe later on this year or early next year um maybe the irish irish card yeah maybe you know there's who what, what way does he lightweight i think i think before paddy goes to the to the ufc i think he needs to go back down to featherweight have a, a, yeah, I was a couple just thinking of that. the ufc might want them a featherweight like yeah. they've in the past they've asked guys like for example, McGregor to go down to forty five, mm-hmm. offer him a contract of forty five, and keep keep him there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, he, and he's even said that himself. So it's not just me suggesting it, but yeah, I think he'd be probably better off going back down to featherweight, fighting there, and uh, didn't go to the UFC. You know, maybe uh, Paddy Pimblet versus Sharier or Mads Burnell. Maybe that's the fight to make uh, next. So let's uh, let's see that happen. Featherweight versus Paul Hughes. Who wins? Paddy Pimblet versus Paul Hughes. Uh, I don't know who do you think would win. Oof. Pimblet probably really too, too experienced yeah experience tells a lot I think people yeah you know I, I talked well we'll get on to it in a second but like there, experience is a thing where you can get beaten by someone who doesn't have as high a ceiling as you like you know John Jones and maybe his second fight would have got beaten by someone who he destroyed it later on in his career I think you know that's 
like look at Joseph Duffy versus Conor McGregor I think Joseph Duffy's a very good fighter but if I think they met later on in their careers I don't think Joseph Duffy would be eating Conor McGregor or you know the the guy he fought earlier in his career so even though you know they were good at that point of their career so yeah that that definitely matters but um yeah uh the next fight then we had the bear coming in there he might remind me of your man down in Tipperary did you ever see that video the the lad uh, commentating on like the Tipperary Junior V football fight it was absolutely hilarious the bear has the ball oh, you have to watch that it's up on YouTube What's it called? I don't know. I'll tweet it out. Uh, but he went in there against uh, Nathan Jones, Mr. Bag and Tag, uh, and he just kind of dominated him for, for three rounds. Not much happened in that. Um, uh, and then in the... the which was basically... The, uh, like, how the fuck did they have their own lightweight title fight as the co-main event to a random UFC undercard fight? Like, what was the... Yeah, thing I don't know that? how it came about. It's a strange situation yeah very odd okay fair enough having a couple of the ufc fights and they were you know they were supposed trying to get somebody out of contract or something i don't know i don't <laughs> know out somebody's contract I don't know. I don't know maybe it was the f- something about like the ufc's the only way i can see this making sense is if the ufc kind of mandated it and then i could definitely understand but i'm like i don't think graham bylan or ian dean be making this decision to put that fight as the main event to be honest but yeah i, I don't know what the crack was about it anyway um and uh, yeah we'll get to that in a second well we'll get to that first actually because that wasn't really uh that wasn't the, the main event really of the evening um you know there was fabanski came in and dominated round one but sure cut him up and with his big elbow and it really kind of it didn't really actually change the fight but it changed the look of the fight there was just so much blood all over the place um round two there was a bit of a brazilian tap or else he kind of went to sleep for a second uh, in a kind of a run through i wasn't sh- i wasn't sure what it was but the referee kept it going anyway and they kept going and he fought on uh, Stewart did well early in the third, but he was taken down again, uh, and Fabinski ended up uh, winning it. Not a great fight at all, but there we go. Uh, and then is, is, mm-hmm. is it xenophobic that is? I know you you called it out. Everybody calls it out. The Brazilian tap, the the fake yeah. cheating tap. I was actually I was actually t- I was going tweeting it last night, but I I didn't want to tweet it because I wasn't sure if it actually happened. But every time I tweet a bit of a Brazilian tap, there I'm wondering like, oh, should I be saying that? I don't know. Maybe it's just like is it xenophobic to call it? Brazilian kick or a question mark kick like do you know the question mark kick they call it Brazilian kick is that xenophobic yeah well maybe uh, does that tap come from Brazil I don't know like uh, I suppose jiu-jitsu comes from Brazil they don't say the the Brazilian triangle or the I don't know remember there was that move to to call the Superman punch sexist there that time even though like it's the character Superman (laughs) moves like that that's why I call the Superman punch like what let us know if we're if we're wrong (laughs) or not and uh, if you're if you're uh, if you've been uh, offended by this, offended then by we don't care. <laughs> to tweet at Severe and May if you think we're xenophobic. <laughs> God almighty. These things these things happen to them in May. But anyway, the, the proper main event of the evening was uh, Mason Jones versus Joe McCulligan. And this was a classic four-minute fight. One round of just fucking argy-bargy. It was, it was a, a great fight. Uh, leg kicks from Jones uh, were really the story of the fight early. He was landing the harder shots, I think. But Joe was landing, I thought, the much cleaner shots uh, when they got into the exchanges. But it was it was really a tit-for-tat in there. Uh, McCulligan did a great job of stopping the takedowns. But it was the leg kick, I thought, and the big right hand that came after it just before the finish from Mason Jones, I thought, was really, really good. And I thought that's what changed the fight. Because that was the first time anyone kind of backed up in the fight after that big right hand. Uh, and then the knee came in, but I, like everyone look at that knee and say, "Oh, that was a big finish." I, I think that was kind of secondary to the right hand that came before it, and it was, you know, it showed again the, the very good finishing nature of him. Obviously, and he, if he hadn't landed that knee, McCoggan probably would have survived. But I think without the right hand before it, I don't think the knee comes and it happens like that. So, like a really, really, a really, really good win for um for Mason Jones. Watching this fight, like uh, before the fight, I, I thought it was an even fight. You know, either of them could have gotten knocked out here, but like I just feel like. McCulligan maybe struggles a little bit with guys who have better physical attributes than him, if you know what I mean. Like, I think John McCulligan has all the skills. I think he's boxing is as crisp as anybody outside of the UFC, anybody in cage wires. I think his head movement is really good. His technique is really good. His uh, ground game is very good, as you mentioned last time we spoke about it. His takedown defense is very good. But I think maybe the, the lack of power compared to someone like Mason Jones, like... I know I talked about it last week, and I think he's a little bit more experienced than Mason Jones, even though he's only had one more fight in him, you know, fighting the likes of Peter Queeley and Joy Herbert and other people as well. I feel like 
you know, I, I said it before that, uh, that I think Joe at some stage will kind of find something in his career and move on. I think he needs to find a way, a little bit like my boy Benil Dariush. He reminds me of him a little bit, whereas maybe the f- the, all the physical attributes are not there, but all the skills are there. And if you find a way to use those skills a little bit differently, and maybe in uh, a more strategic way, I think he could st- like he he could still be a really really good fighter and get to the UFC and win lots of fights in cage wars. What, what do you think of that? Do you think I'm off the mark there a little bit, or do you think? What do you think? No, I, th- I think you could be onto something, but I think you also in this fight, I think Mason Jones is just more developed than we thought or I thought. Yeah, uh, we were kind of kind of talking maybe it was too early for him that somebody like with the kind of nous and experience and having fought people like you mentioned Queeley, etc. Even like you know the losses to Arnold Quiro and losses to losses can like educate you and make you better and um, sometimes like a perfect record against uh, against guys who aren't very good is is not as is not as good as in, in my mind anyway is not as valuable as a as a decent record against good guys you know what I mean yeah. uh, it all depends people look at records and just think oh, eight and zero versus six and two or uh, eight and zero is going to win mm. but it's not obviously it's it, it happened this time but it's not always the case guys it can be too early for guys and I thought I thought that Joe would be able to to you know use his crisp boxing and take down the fence and I was surprised when Joe was kind of initiating or accepting the grappling a bit um, obviously it didn't hit the ground but he he, he he didn't seem to urgently want to get away maybe he'd already felt the, the power of the leg kicks and thought oh I can kind of rest my leg a bit here but mm-hmm. even when he was against the fence early uh, Mason Jones did a really good job of kneeing, kneeing the shit out of his leg as well as kicking it when he was at distance so mm-hmm. he obviously came in followed a good game plan and you know took Joe out yeah, I, I yeah, I thought his game plan, his strategy was very, very good. When you know, when you're fighting someone like that, you know, like McCulgan, who's you know who's going to land shots against you because he's uh, uh, striking is so accurate. You have to take a couple of those shots to land a couple and of your did, own, and he, and he did. He yeah. hit them well as well. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. And I think he fancied his power against McCulgan, and he kind of went in there, and you know, attacked maybe the weaknesses of McCulgan, uh, and that's you know something that. You, you know you can have the skills and the ability like Mason Jones has all the skills and the ability as well and I think he has the physical attributes as well but none of that is any good to you if you don't have the strategy and he, he seems to have that as well so you know obviously a, a huge top top prospect uh, coming in here and you know for Joe obviously a, a tough loss but I think he'll be he'll be back as well you know a tough night for the Irish three losses obviously in a row with uh, Darren O'Gorman Joe McCulgan and, and Decky Dalton uh, but like obviously a, a, a tough week for everyone um what do you think? I, I, you know, lightweight last night we talked about Paddy Pimblett going down to featherweight, but maybe if he doesn't, what do you think? Uh, Paddy Pimblett versus I know a lot of people suggested, but Paddy Pimblett versus Mason Jones for a title. Who do you who do you think gonna win that one? Lightweight. Mm-hmm. Oh, like ugh. I I think Paddy Pimblett would be the favorite in my mind, but it was it was very impressed with Mason Jones here. Uh, that's that's like three fights in a row against experienced guys that he's two decisions and now this this big finish against uh, Joe McCoggan so obviously that'll give him a lot of confidence as well but I think uh, Pimbledon is more seasoned more experienced I, I think uh, they'd be better off keeping them away from each other for, for a little while yeah I, I'd agree with that as well but I, if they were to fight you know next week I'd definitely be picking Mason Jones I think he's uh, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu I don't think his ground game is as good as Paddy Pimblett but I think his wrestling is probably better and his striking is definitely better and he definitely has more power and that's you know against Pimblett until he shows us that his striking is 100% improved I I wouldn't fancy him against someone as good as Mason Jones on the feet who proved the last night who can beat someone like Joe McCulgan who's a fantastic striker uh, I, like I, I definitely think if I was if I was Benny Blimble's team I'd probably be moving down to featherweight as quick as I could uh, because I think Mason Jones is a bit of a nightmare matchup for him yeah he's a big guy as well like but mm-hmm. it, it is early in his career it's a tough one like you'd have to watch a bit more tape but I think, you know, Paddy Pimblett's like shown again how good he is on the ground and obviously, you know, there's a lot of black belts and Jiu-Jitsu black belts in MMA who, who can't, you know, transition the, from the gi or the, even the no-gi yeah. competition to, to MMA as well as Paddy Pimblett can uh, or Paddy Pimblett has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'd be a good fight. It'd be an inter- interesting one, but uh, I think they should stay away from Cage Warriors should stay away from him for a little while. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, let's answer a couple of questions. Actually, I've, uh, we're finished with Cage Warriors. So I, I had a couple more topics, but maybe we'll keep them until next week. Because <laughs> we could be in need and we're going to talk. Uh, if we don't do a different sort of podcast, if there's enough news, we'll probably talk a little bit about Michael Chandler, about Conor McGregor as well next week. So you can look forward to that then. But I have to talk about this just for a second anyway. Just <laughs> see the story about Tyson Fury. Uh, remember he failed the drugs test there a while back and uh, he, I believe the story was that he <laughs> he got the drug into his body from eating contaminated meat and it was like a wild boar or something and the farmer has <laughs> come out in like the last week and said that he was offered I think £25,000 to say that he sold a wild boar to Tyson Fury and his cousin and he ate it. Have you ever heard a story as fucking crazy as this? What a... F- <laughs> <laughs> Just a, similar to the similar to the Canelo uh, ah, well. contaminated meat job. I'm say there was some. I'd, I'd guess there was some. Um, shady business going on there too yeah it's i think it's just mad like we talked about this for so long about you know getting the oh no he fell the drugs test let's find uh a supplement that has this thing in it and we'll say he was taking that supplement for all long this is what they did let's find a fucking let's go searching the, the fucking the wilds of cornwall to find a wild boar going around so yeah, we can allegedly yeah. allegedly um Nate Diaz found his own company to blame, so uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard much on that since. And, I wonder what's going to happen uh, with that. Uh, exactly. But anyway. did they ever clear up the whole? You said a. Ah, that was kind of just brushed under the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be grand. Forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, right, let's answer one or two questions uh, from Patreon, and then I've obviously the Q and A is coming out. Uh, this uh, Tuesday for everyone over on Patreon actually as well during this whole thing if you see any podcast going up on our Patreon behind the paywall and you're not signed up and you want to listen to it and you're out of your job or whatever you're stuck at home questions at sphereometa.com give me an email and I'll send it on to you we can we can work something out and you can when when this is all up and finished and all you can sign up for Patreon or not or whatever but anyway I appreciate everyone who's signed up on Patreon and stay and sign up there and if you're stuck at home and or you, you can work from home and you still have your job and you still have loads of money sign up patreon.com forward slash to be podcast uh, but we understand that this time of the year we'd want to be uh, looking for money off of anyone but there you go did you see actually before you go on the, yeah. uh, what was it all the different countries radio stations playing you'll never walk alone at the same time really what yeah Boy. in uh, response to the coronavirus solidarity oh, yeah. they could have picked a fucking better <laughs> they could have picked a better fucking song couldn't they oh god did you see that imagine video with all the actors singing it and stuff that was the cringiest no, no. thing i've oh have you not oh like gal get on will furlan oh it was the most cringe thing i've ever seen in my life but anyway um um paul brown how good can mason jones become like before last week, I thought I, I said I thought his ceiling was higher than Joe McCulgan, but right now I didn't. I, I thought Joe might be a little bit ahead, but now the fact that he is risen here again, I think, can show that he can rise even further. Like Mason Jones is a real huge prospect, isn't he? Going into the UFC here probably in the next year. How, how far do you think he can rise? It's hard to know. Like if we if we see him in, in fights with Paddy Pimler, for example, or the known quantities in. In cage wires, like Joe was one, he passed that test with flying colours. But it's it's hard to know his 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 real his true level when we've seen so little of him against top guys. Hundred mm-hmm, percent. Right, let's finish it out here with a true or false from uh, Christopher Graham. This is an interesting one. First off, true or false? Tony versus Habib goes ahead on April eighteenth. False. <laughs> yeah, definitely false. That can't, oh, that can't happen. Like it just. I don't know, like, it's only going to get worse over the next month. Uh, if it was six weeks away, maybe you could say the worst has come and then it was subsiding a little bit and they'd be able to, you know, ferry a couple of fighters out to fucking South Korea or somewhere where it's getting a little better, or Japan, where I believe they're bringing back the uh, the uh, pro wrestling. But the fact it's only four weeks away and I think in California they've shut down, you know, they're basically gone on lockdown in New York as well. Um you know, and it's not just Tony and Habib as well. Can you run a fight card with just one fight in it? Like, you've Rose Nam Yunus and Jessica Andrade as well on that card. And I'm sure next week maybe we'll go through the whole card and look at it and if it's if it's still going on or whatever. But, yeah, I think that's uh, uh, probably not going to happen at this stage. Um, true or false, Woodley faces Edwards next. What do you think, Graham? <sighs> um, it's hard to know when all this is going to happen, but mm-hmm. I'd say probably true. I'd say probably false because I think they did that fight because of UFC London and I don't think they're going to put on another UFC London card probably so I'd say false. Um, Connor fights two more times this year. 
Uh, oh, I think he would have, but uh, we don't know how long this is, this um, coronavirus. coronavirus pandemic thing is going to go on. So the longer, the longer, go, like you see all like the Premier League and mm-hmm. in soccer saying, oh, we're going to extend the date to this. But uh, yeah, I don't see any of those dates being realistic really at this stage. Yeah. So I think everything is going to be pushed back and who knows when this is all going to start up again. But uh, if... If uh, this hadn't happened, I think it would have been the summer and end of the year, but it's hard to know now. Mm-hmm. I'd say talk- probably false. Yeah, I'd probably say the same. We'll, we'll talk about Conor Moore, I suppose, next week as well. Uh, last two here, true or false. DC only fights once more. I think that's a pretty easy one, isn't it? <laughs> what do you think of that? True or false, Chris? <laughs> false, false, false. Definitely false. And this is a good one. MVP, James Gallagher, Arne Pico, Paddy Pimden, AJ McKee all fight in the UFC at least once. In their whole careers? Yeah. False. Um, let yeah, I'd say false as well. I I think I feel like MVP will at some stage. I f- I just feel like the contract will be up, and Dana White will like him, and Joe Rogan will like him, and he'll come and then and, Dana White will hate him after his first fight. Yeah, fucking. I never liked his fucking goof. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, if, uh, I said we're gonna we'll talk about Michael Chandler next week as well. I think because he's out of contract right now, and I think that's actually a good bit of a discussion. So we might get ten or ten or fifteen minutes out of that, so we'll we leave it for next week, right? We got a good hour about it, but anyway, Graham, not too bad. I think the, it was a good show. Michael Chandler is very popular as well. Like you've seen him in Dave and Buster's, like people yeah. running over to him. And, oh my God, it's Mike Chandler! Huge, star. yeah. Remember that? Oh. <laughs> it's like a uh, if you anyone... can hang out with the Bellator superstars at fucking Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever it was. Yeah, we should do. Um, there's a two night WrestleMania coming up in two weeks. We should do a, like a review show of that afterwards. That you have not watched wrestling WrestleMania. in like, twenty years, yeah. I think it'd be yeah, funny. How long does it take to watch WrestleMania? There's two. Re- there's one on Saturday night for like three hours, and another one on oh, Sunday night for three, <laughs> three hours. So watch them. It'd be great. Six hours. Six hours of WrestleMania. When's it on? It's on not next Saturday, but the Saturday after. So like two weeks. Two weeks from today. Is it? All, when does it start being two day? Two day event. Uh, two days ago, <laughs> because there it's gone on behind closed doors now. Like it's in their performance center in fucking Florida. So, uh, so weird. Yeah, there's gonna be. Uh, there's going to be no one at it, yeah. So it's going to be very, very odd altogether. But I think what they're going to do is um, they're going to like go to like a fucking up a mountain and have a match there. Oh, well, and what's the reasoning it? for the two days? Why is it two days? I don't know because I think you know WrestleMania they have like you know I don't know twenty matches on it or whatever. So I don't think you know you can only have like fifty people in the room at the same time or something like that. So I think it'd probably be very hard to have that many matches on in one day with all the people in the same room or whatever. So I think they're... So it's probably just going to be like match after match because they won't be able to like go out and talk to the crowd and that's like the worst part of wrestling is the actual wrestling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've been watching like... like the, yeah. the, the, the cringy like promos and sometimes good promos or, and like the behind the scenes stuff is like... Like actually hearing about what actually happens in wrestling is more interesting yeah, than wrestling itself. But Over- the most boring thing about wrestling is the actual action wrestling. I'd agree with fake that. Wrestling. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Although some of the wrestling now, like the likes of Will Ospreay, it's fake. It's fake. No, it's fake. really, is it? Triggering no. people everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I love people. Fake. I love people. Whenever Sky Sports Real put to up, me, damn it. Well, to me, damn it. Sky Sports put up like a Facebook post. Everyone has to feel the need to go in and say it's fake. It's like, all right, people know it's fake. Do you think like, they're trolling? Uh, so I think a lot of people are trolling. Nah. Some people are definitely just feel the need to do it, but I say other people are just trying to I think easily vast, trigger the wrestling. Yeah, the vast majority are people. just stupid, I think, honestly. But however. Uh, anyway, actually, I, I what watched... What was that? Was that Louis Thoreau or what was that where the... The was it WCW Power Plant? Was, was that? I don't know why. Why was maybe it? Maybe it wasn't Louis Theroux, but I think it was called Beyond the Matter. Maybe I'm mixing two documentaries up. I haven't seen them in years, but uh, I think uh, one of them, the the presenter of the documentary, says to one of the trainers at the WCW like training center mm-hmm. uh, that you know, it's fake or something. So they like put him through the routine and beat the shit out. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you, ever, do you ever see the journalist who said it to a wrestler as well and he just slapped the shit out of him he he was literally just oh, maybe that was it? the same guy maybe that was the same guy yeah, was it was a little, little short short like American guy like mm-hmm. older guy yeah. I can't, oh, I can't remember slapped the shit out of him a long time ago but he ended up like maybe he slapped the shit out of him and he like put him through like the routine of, of warm up and like training and stuff and just yeah. like had him like tossing him in the air and land him didn't like didn't know how to land properly and just like getting 
and ruined. Yeah, indeed. Right, should we leave it there? I was going to talk about soccer, but we did like a whole hour-long soccer podcast on Patreon. So if you're signed up on Patreon and you haven't listened to it yet, go there. Or if you want to sign up, Dude, there, is no, there is no soccer to talk about anyway. So Yeah, well, of course, it's known for you because you live Jerry, in Bruno so Fernandez shit. hasn't done anything in days. He, what's going on? He won player of the year, our player of the month there fucking an hour ago. So Player player of the decade. <laughs> he deserves it. He, does, he actually is. Like, is, is Bruno Fernandez the player of the decade in the Premier League so far? I'd say he probably is. No, I don't think so. Well, Jordan Henderson. <laughs> you surely, right? Remember, He's been injured like the whole time. Yeah, but you know this this fucking ploy to get Jordan Henderson to be Player of the Year. It's worse yeah. than the Ryan Giggs thing, or it has to be, isn't it? Like, no, it's not worse than the Ryan Giggs thing. Didn't Giggs get like fucking two assists that year or something? Ah, but come on, <laughs> Jordan, like... Jordan Henderson. He's like the fourth best midfielder at the club. Like, Do you remember when Man United, Man United fans claimed Ryan Giggs was like the, the the top three best midfielders in the world when he played like twenty minutes at the end of a game a couple of times there? Yeah. I only think that. Oh, it's hilarious. Man United fans are hilarious. <laughs> no, we're the best. Anyway, right. Thank you, Graham, for joining me today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and maybe it's taken your mind off it for a little bit. And um, anyway, that'll be it. I suppose I, I'm coming back and I'm giving an inspirational quote here, Graham. What do you think? Is it, is it appropriate yeah. or not? Before you, before, you, before you do that, people who can go on, um, if you if you have a chance, just go on like Instagram or not Instagram, iTunes and Spotify and subscribe mm-hmm. and give us a give us a rating and a, a review, even if it's just something short. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a couple of minutes and boost us up the the iTunes charts and the Spotify charts or whatever whatever uh, podcast app you're using mm-hmm. just uh yeah do that and if, if you if you want to sign up for patreon as well obviously there's a there's loads of content there there must be five or six hundred yeah. pieces of content up there yeah 100 percent. and uh soundcloud as well if you're on soundcloud that's our most important one so if you're there we only have like fucking 700 people subscribed there or something but, and i know most people don't use soundcloud but yeah it's like a tiny fucking percentage of it ever but uh yeah follow me as well at sean gmba follow graham at severe May. follow our boy andy stevenson at andy st123 Patrick foreign is out there as well lean o'neill patrick she can give him all a follow sean betts i don't think steve is on fucking twitter anymore but give him a follow anyway yeah just follow uh, at liverpool fc instead nah fuck <laughs> <laughs> rubbish sean dinny give him a follow who else am i leaving out i'm just harry williams give harry williams a follow uh, does Cali Steve does Cali Steve support a football team probably not because he's like Canadian I don't know yeah maybe not he's doing loads of commentary these days I hear every fucking fight I see from the UK it's Cali Steve doing the doing the commentary yeah, we'll just make him a Liverpool fan hmm. no, why would you so do he, that so anyone so we can be happy so we that, can be happy that's abuse the fuck's sake we shouldn't be doing that right thanks everyone for listening and here's the inspirational quote of the week don't waste your life on negative thoughts stay positive and stay occupied. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or Sunday. And stay quarantined. Or Saturday. Or <laughs> Good luck.